0: Hey, it's Shane here. Throughout the majority of my career, I spent thousands of hours on my technique to try to be as close to perfect as I could be. But the one thing I didn't work on was my mental skills, on the exact mindset I needed every ball to be able to access all of my technical skills that I worked so hard to develop. Well, I've recently released my book, Winning the Inner Battle. Which has all of the information that you will ever need to deeply understand how you can create the correct mindset for you so that you can bring the best version of yourself every time you step out into the middle. Go to shamewatson.au to purchase a copy of Winning the Inner Battle Now. It is available in paperback, ebook, or audiobook versions. Well, it's now time for your episode of Lessons Learned with the Greats. Enjoy. The
1: mistakes I made were right at the, at the start, not uh, grabbing the job with, with both hands. It took me a couple of years to sort of start to work it all out, uh, that um, you know, not, being, not being afraid of losing is a big part of winning, so therefore as a captain, you know, you know back, back your intuitions uh, a lot more because that's why you are the captain, because you, you're more likely to make uh, good decisions under, under those sort of pressures.
0: Today on this episode of Lessons Learned with the Greats, I have the absolute privilege of talking to and gaining incredible insights from the man who pioneered the rebirth of Australian cricket as a world force. Through sheer grit and determination, this guy achieved so many phenomenal things on and off the cricket field and will go down as one of the best captains, not just in Australian cricket, but world cricket as well. Alan Border, this is such an honour to have you on my show. Thank you so much for taking the time.
1: Oh, what a not a problem. Uh, Happy to uh, help out and have a bit of a chat about
0: um, the game we love. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Uh, I'm just going to get started by reading out your phenomenal statistics that you achieved during your career. So everyone really understands what greatness is. AB played 156 test matches, which he captained 93, which is the second highest in the history of test cricket behind Graham Smith. Ab scored eleven thousand one hundred and seventy-four test runs, which is second on the all-time leading run scorers for Australia. At an amazing average of fifty point five six, with twenty-seven hundreds, it's phenomenal reading. Ab um he played two hundred and seventy-three one-day internationals, scoring six thousand five hundred and twenty-four runs. Ab's international career spanned fifteen years. Right in the middle of a huge transition phase for Australian cricket as a big three, in particular Dennis Lee Rodmarsh and Greg Chappell, all retiring at the same stage, AB's tenacity and desire to win has left a legacy in Australian cricket that will live on forever. He captained the 1987 World Cup winning Australian team, as well as the Aussie team that won back the Ashes in England in 1989. And these are just a few of his very special achievements, just to name a few. There are so many highlights, AB, that I remember as a kid growing up watching you. But the one that really stands out to me the most was your highest test score of 205 against New Zealand at the Adelaide Oval in 1987. I was six at the time, and I do remember it like it was yesterday. All your trademark shots, the cut shots, the pull shots. And there's a couple of shots in particular that really stand out to me where your cover drives off John brace, where you using your feet and just smacking him through, <laughs> smacking him through the covers and threw and, um, through it off. So that really, like, I can just picture it like I was actually sitting there watching the TV like it was yesterday. You achieved so many incredible things during your career, at AB. But is there one or two moments that really stand out for you when you look back over your career?
1: Well, I, I suppose um, you know you look at the the good times that uh, that roll on, don't you? You tend to sort of focus <laughs> on them rather than the bad. Obviously, um, <laughs> but the, the sort of standout uh, period was that '87 uh, World Cup winning in one-day cricket. Uh, we had not had a lot of success as a, as a group uh, for the previous uh, couple of years. So to actually uh, go into a World Cup as sort of like rank outsiders with a young group of blokes um, and to start, you know, the ball rolling, winning some games and starting to sort of get a you know, good feel about the the group that we had together, um, good work ethic, uh, fantastic coach in Bob Simpson um, and things just started to come together. And, and to actually win that World Cup against all the odds, it sort of uh, that, that was probably the, the time where the Australian cricket started to turn itself around a little bit um, and, and uh, you know, players started to have belief in themselves. So we had a bit more consistency with the selection process and all that sort of thing. So probably look back at that World Cup as um, yeah, the, the, the start of the, the good times, if you like. And then, you know, if you roll on to that uh, eighty-nine Ashes series that you talked about, um, you know that that's as good as it gets. That one, mate. Uh, we, we um, arrived in England to sort of basically headlines as um, you know, possibly the worst Ashes team ever. And um, yeah, three months later, we're we're coming home uh, 4-0 Ashes uh, winners. So that that's really you know the, the turning points for Australian cricket. Those those two wins. Firstly, it was in you know via one-day cricket. We started to play some really good one-day cricket and then it started to convert into our our test match arena. So, yeah, they're they're two very special sort of periods uh, for me personally as a captain and then Mm -hmm. obviously from Australian cricket's point of view, things start
0: to really, you know, turn around from there. Yeah, both of those highlights are ones that really stand out for me watching the 1989 Ashes. I remember um, watching the first session with my dad before before going to bed and then listening to to the test on the radio as well, because that was all those, you know, it wasn't really um, wasn't on TV apart from the first session. Yeah, it wasn't broadcast. So that was a real, I remember that really special time. So cool. And then, you know, for you to be the captain to build it up to what it was, is yeah, it was the start of. Yeah, no, it,
1: was, it was good times, mate. I mean, it was, it was famously started by. Um, Uh, David Boone uh, sinking 52 cans of beer on the the plane trip over. So, I mean, I knew we were under sort of uh, bigger and better things, you know, when we set records, you know, just even on the plane before we even uh, started, you know, bowl a ball in anger. So it was, um, yeah, yeah, we had a great team spirit, just one of those groups, you know, that you get together, um, uh, just special, special group of blokes and everything we touched turned to gold, you know, as far as um, on the, on the cricket field, and we had such a great time off the field. Yeah, you know, good sponsors, and um, <laughs> we, we you know, really just, um, made the
0: most of it. Yeah, it's the ultimate. Um, AB, from a batting perspective, was, was there one or two specific technical components that really stand out for you that you worked on and developed? So from that moment on, you were like, yeah, if I bring this every time that I go out to bat, I'm going to be as close to my best as I possibly can.
1: Yeah, look, I, I think it's, it's one of those... Uh, situations with batting, that you, you, you're always sort of evolving to a certain degree yeah. um, and, and trying to get better and, and working on little bits and pieces with your, with your game. Uh, I, I look at um, you know, my particular game and, and I, I, I grew up in an era where there was just one form of cricket, wasn't yeah. there? You, you yeah. just basically played time cricket. Mm. Um, so it was very important uh, as a youngster to have a good defence and that's something that you, you know, really based your, your game around is um, if you make yourself hard to get out, then obviously you've have you know, develop a few couple of shots here and there and, and work the ball around. All of a sudden, you know, you, get, you can have some sort of success. So um, it, it's very simplistic uh, when, when I think about it going back in time where, you know, all of us basically, um, you know, you worked on those sort of principles. Good solid defence, So forward defence, back defence, nice straight bat. Um, pretty basic stuff, and then of course you, you just develop uh, your your strokes from from that. Um, so I, I look at the modern game and I see the, the the problems that the guys face because you've got to bring, yeah, you know, slightly different games to the table as a batsman, haven't you? You've got yeah. uh, you're probably not even in defence really. It's it's all about um, you know, attacking the bowling, attacking the ball, power hitting, mm. um. That that type of um, you know thought process that uh, you know young blokes have got to sort of bring to the table now, and then obviously if you you play long form cricket, uh, you you have to base things around some sort of defence, otherwise you, you're going to struggle to survive. So it, it's a, it's a different ball game now. Whereas I, it was very simplistic uh, when I think about it going back in time, where you, you base things around that solid defence. Um, over time you start to work out what uh, works for you, what doesn't work for you, the shots that you uh, are particularly good at, the areas that you're not so good at and, um, you, know, you you start evolving as a player from there.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt nowadays with the with the three different formats and the way everyone expects you to play as as well, um, taking the game on, the defence is not definitely not the foundation um, for young cricketers coming up. I know when I first started playing, you know, first – first-class cricket and test cricket was the ultimate, and that's what I was always building my game around. But as I played more, it evolved into, yeah, more and more sort of power hitting, and, that, and that's and that's a way the game well, – what my batting evolved and the game evolved. But then that had a detrimental effect on my, my, you know, my test career, especially from the defensive point of view. Because as you said, if you don't have a sound defense, you need to bat long periods of time. If you don't have defense, then people just penetrate it, and <laughs> you're walking back. Yeah,
1: that's um – what I've seen creep in compared to my era. And, and I sort of transcended a little bit of the, the, uh, the two eras in that um, you know, we started to play international one-day cricket. Um, you know, Kerry Packer revolutionised the game back in 78, 79, that sort of period. And, uh, we, you know, you saw the, the advent of, uh, you know, 50-over cricket, uh, coloured clothing, uh, white ball playing, you know, under lights, uh, so I, I sort of transcended um, that period of career. So you mm. you did then have to start bringing a subtly different uh, game to the table, but um, when I think back now compared to, you know, the game that's been played now to then, I mean, if we made 220 in a 50-over game at the MCG, we, we won 90% of games. Um, yeah. So the, the, the game, yes, you, you had a bit of a slog at the end of the 50-overs, uh, but... Um, Mate, basically, you know, if we were sort of numb for 50 after 15, I mean, we were, you know, doing
0: cartwheels. <laughs> you get pulled off the ground now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. People actually want to drag you off. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing, yeah, in that regard, how it's evolved. But also, you know, smaller smaller boundaries, Yeah, that's that's definitely has definitely helped the cause for high scoring because, you know, when you were playing, there's no ropes. You actually had to hit the... If you want to hit a six, you have to hit it over the fence.
1: Yeah, well, it was certainly there's subtle, you know, change. I mean, that's just the, the market of the game. I mean, obviously, you want to ha- give the uh, the batsman as much opportunity as possible to you know get that run rate going. I mean, mm-hmm. let's face it, one day cricket, 2020 cricket, it's not about the bowlers turning up. It's <laughs> not anymore.
0: About any
1: the, nah. <laughs> yeah. the bowlers. The game started, um, so <laughs> yeah. the market of the game bring the boundaries in a little bit. Um, and um yeah, you, you want to see you know that the bat dominate the ball in, in that game, um, yeah, the, the short game. obviously test cricket, you want the the balance mm. to be there. and obviously the better t- test test cr- cricket sometimes is is when the balance is more in favor of the bowlers. so um,
0: yeah, certainly
1: that's, is. Uh, yes the, the subtle differences between the games we play.
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. a B you were an awesome all-round fielder whether that was catching the slips or prowling the mid region. So I'll start with catching. Was there one technical cue that you always worked on, relied on? Or were you always a really natural catcher and you just grooved, you know, your muscle memory by practicing?
1: Yeah, I, I suppose that it comes, you know, as a, as a kid, you know, you, from as long as I can remember, you know, I've loved, you know, bat-ball uh, games. So you mm. sort of naturally develop a... Uh, I don't know, a, a way of doing things. Um, but I, I suppose through um, as you start evolving and, and, and playing more sports and, and then in particular getting into your cricket, um, I, I think there's ser- certain lessons that you do learn about having soft hands. You know, we talk mm-hmm. about that very, very regularly. But um, it's so important to, uh, you know, for instance, let the ball come to you and and, and have soft hands rather than going out with uh, rigid hands Um you're not going to catch as many uh, with that technique as with, when you're having soft hands. You know, someone like uh, a Mark War springs to mind about someone who could you know, brilliantly uh, soft hands. I mean, the ball didn't have to hit him, you know, right in the smack in the middle of the hand for him to catch it. He, he could sort of be hit here, but because it was soft he was giving off the ball, he could still catch it. So um, I suppose over a period of time, they're the sort of lessons you start to learn about... Um, uh, trying to relax as, as a slip fielder. Different guys have different uh, techniques. About uh, do they watch the bat? Do they watch the ball all the way? Yeah. Uh, that just comes with um, you know, your own personal uh, view on things. Um, I was fortunate as a, as a youngster. I played a lot of baseball, um, okay. so that develops that, that um, you know, eye-hand coordination with uh, you know, c- catching. Even though you've got a glove on, it's still you know the basics are still there. Letting the ball come to you and obviously developing a, a bit of a throwing arm so you uh, and throwing accurately mm. so they they're all uh, basically very helpful um, when you do the crossover into into cricket about uh, getting to the ball quickly um, and a quick release and, a, and an accurate throw particularly as we start to play more and more one day cricket that became very very important um, to go with the actual catching skills so yeah, look, I, I was fortunate that I you know, started as a probably six, seven-year-old kid you know, um, uh, playing baseball and, and cricket uh, summer and winter and uh, the, both games you know, complemented each other
0: well. And When you're talking about um, your accuracy with your throwing, you, you pioneered that mid-wicket position in one-day cricket, especially for the next generation of Australian cricketers in particular. You know, Ricky Ponning springs to mind with you know, his, the way he saw because of you how to, how to field and how to make an impact on the game. So, but from a from a throwing point of view, was there one technical component that you just hadn't in the back of your mind when you were picking up and trying to hit the stumps because you hit them so regularly?
1: Mm. Well, that, that was just you know it's a practice thing. Mm. Yeah, as I said, I started at six, you know, throwing a ball around. Um, so you, you naturally just start to develop. Um, you know a, a throwing technique. You know mm. through coaching those sorts of things, and and obviously with baseball in particular, um, you know, I did a bit of pitching when I was young, you know, very very young, yeah. Um, and so you've got to you know throw accurately. So it's just a, it's a learnt process. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's there's no substitute for, for uh, practicing and, and working on uh, technical things. You, you can mm. name any sport, and and there's people that just uh, you know born naturally with um, skills mm. and then as they work on things they, they become you know better and better and better and um, you know the great players are the ones that uh, have got all those natural uh, skills but are prepared to do the work and, and that work ethic that, um, that, that that they bring to the table I mean I've just been watching uh, stuff on uh, Michael Jordan <laughs> um, the guy has got all the natural schools in the world, you know, the God-given um, natural talent, but um, he worked bloody hard by the looks of things um, yeah. on those schools and, and obviously he gets a reward at the end of the day it becomes, you know, you know, probably the greatest uh, basketball ever. So there, there's no substitute for, for a strong, good work ethic and that and that's, comes with everything. So if you're throwing a cricket ball and you want to throw it accurately and, and, and get rid of it quickly, you've just got to keep working on it and that's... Uh, something that I enjoyed. I enjoyed that process of um, uh, getting to practice and and working on just those little things just to, you know, you you might get one opportunity in a match to hit the stumps and Mm. if you do it, it it can change the game. So um, it's worth doing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So... You'll naturally, well, with, by playing baseball, you had a, an accurate throwing arm anyway, but then to be able to groove that so you got to under pressure, you're able to execute and more chance of hitting the stumps is just practice over and over again. That's the one thing people have to realise that even if you've got a decent technique and you've got a decent skill, you need to groove it so then under pressure, you've got the best chance of being able to execute it.
1: Yeah, and, and you've got to have an intuitive uh, feel for the game as well. Sometimes mm. uh, times I see opportunities um, missed uh, in the current game guys just that they haven 't got that sort of all field view, so as you 're picking mm-hmm. the ball up you, you should have a bit of a view that which end you should be trying to throw at, and the amount mm-hmm. of times I see guys right to the wrong end yeah. um, it's it 's amazing yeah you know, just that little bit of second that you or half second you take just to understand that okay, if I get the ball and I get rid of it quickly i 've got a yeah, you know, you're you probably thinking, oh, "I've got to throw it this end," and then all of a sudden, you know that there's the batsmen are both at one end, and you've mm. got to throw it to the other end. So, you, you just have that intuition, and that's where you know. Well, I think about you mentioned Ricky Ponting; he he never threw to the wrong end. Yes. if he if he had an opportunity, mm. he threw it to the right end, and mm. that that's something I think that uh, is is lacking a little bit in the in the current game. Those run out opportunities that um, you know. You should be getting one or two, particularly in twenty twenty cricket. Yeah. I know the ball's is getting belted at you pretty hard at times, but um, there there are more and more opportunities that they, they should be taking. But um, yeah, it's it's just a, it's a practiced uh, scenario, you know, where you're working on these run out opportunities, and um, uh, anyone who's any good at it has has worked hard. It just doesn't you know happen miraculously. Just uh, all things that come to you come through you know, that, that work ethic and getting into practice and working harder.
0: A.B., you had the world record for most consecutive test matches of 153, which is a crazy achievement on its own. I never dreamed of putting, like, 10 test matches together <laughs> in the end, let alone 153. So, <laughs> so what what were the lessons that you learned along the way to be able to manage your body, to be able to play like as many test matches in a row as you did?
1: Yeah, well, I think you know, luck plays a role, doesn't it, with your genetics? That, that's um, that's a good start because mm. um, I was fortunate that I I didn't really have uh, any muscular type problems, so you know, I didn't do a, a hamstring until I was you know nearly forty years old um, okay. playing cricket or playing any sport. Um, so yeah, that that's a rarity in itself because nearly you know every sportsman has some drum with, you know, muscles here and there or knee or back or yeah. shoulders, whatever it is. Um, uh, so I was very fortunate there. So most of my injury issues were um, contact, you know, like uh, mm-hmm. breaking a finger, trying to take a catch or, you know, getting hit with a with a ball, as we know. It hurts if it uh, hits you in the wrong spot. <laughs> yeah, But I was pretty lucky in, either that, um, in that era of cricket, you, you didn't tell anyone um, that you were suffering, so you, you, you could suffer through. If you knew you could get through a game, you, you basically played. Whereas I think now the players are more and more aware of, um, you know, their, their bodies, and, and they they report basically everything. As far as I know, what that you, yep. you know better than me. But yep. I think yeah. Going back in time, you, you just didn't say anything about uh, if you had a, a bit of an issue or something. You might say so, whisper quietly to the the physio about, um, you know, I think I've done something to my finger, um, it's hurting a bit, but, you know, strapping it up, a bit of icing, you, you, you could get, you could find you could get through. Yeah. Uh, so I was very fortunate like that. Um, but any, any of those really debilitating type injuries that you basically just can't play with, I, I avoided. it. I was very lucky with that. Yeah. Uh, that. But, um, again, um, I, I don't think I was, you know, one of those um, uh, uh, you know huge maniacal uh, uh, trainers in in that uh, going to the gym and all that sort of stuff i just mm. enjoyed the process of cricket training yep. so I, I suppose i was i was cricket fit
0: yeah so in that regard you the fitness that you got was mainly just through through training and then obviously game time because you're you're pushing it as well that's that's really what you you're working on your skills which then meant your your fitness improved which yeah. was cricket cricket fit so your body is used to doing what it needed to do.
1: Well, that's right. I, I suppose, you know, the, inevitably if I think about what, what um, things I would change, uh, say if I was starting my career career now, mm. knowing what I knew, you know, back when I did start, mm. um, I'd, I'd make a couple of changes. I, I would spend a bit more time in the gym. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, you can't do, do you any harm. A little bit of extra strength work, uh, a little bit more flexibility. Just those little things that uh, you know two or three sessions a week at at a gym would give you I, I think I've got no problems with that and I, mean, I would I would have done that for sure yeah. and probably wouldn't drink as much um, it was a, a, an era that um, and, and I suppose you know everyone was doing it but we, we I think we drank a bit too much um, okay. to be peak performance so if you're looking at for an absolute hundred percent peak performance you um, You you can't be having four or five
0: beers a day, I I wouldn't have thought, Um, and uh, sometimes more. Well, especially when you're winning, you've got to make the most of those as well, most of those days and celebrate.
1: (laughs) Even even today's cricket, if you win, you've got to have a bit of a blood and enjoy the fruits you lay. Mm -hmm. I I think that's one of the reasons you play Mm -hmm. um, is uh, is that special time, you know, when you're, as a group of blokes, you know, you've won something special, so you you've got to go out and enjoy it. But um, I think going back in time, we we did um, have have, um, too many um, good nights without deserving it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Love and life, which is nothing wrong with that.
1: Yeah. But that was uh, the tour that um, we played in. um, So I'd make those concessions. So definitely Mm -hmm. I I would have done a bit more gym work. Mm -hmm. But in saying that, I I was cricket fit. So, you know, you've got to have – you've got to be careful not to be – Training non-specifically and and it's you know, um, how would you say um, yeah, uh, it's it's not specific to your sport. So is it is it being harmful to what you do as a bowler or a batsman with uh, the way your body's put together to do those things well? Um, is it is it not not helping? It's hindering um, uh, best practice. So yeah. that, that's the you have know, to be careful about
0: it's a huge common thread that's coming through um you know the all the um episodes um of lessons learned with the greats and it is about being cricket specific with your fitness training because mm. one you just got to get your body used to doing what it needs to do what you're asking of it out in the middle plus also it's it's skill development it's skill development as well because cricket is a skill based game but then it's just whatever your training is it's specific to what you're you need your body to do when you're playing and outside of that, yeah. and through my experience as well, I did non-specific fitness, whether it's running or gym gym stuff, and that's where a lot of my issues came from.
1: Yeah, so I, I suppose that's yeah. Where as a you know, all the, all the guys you're talking to are sort of coming from a certain era, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the guys you're talking to are sort of just starting out as a professional cricketers, maybe in that era, or I yeah. mean, you, it, it, the the modern player. I mean, the the expectation is you're going to go to the gym you know, mm-hmm. every day almost to do different specific things, either it's legs one day and upper body the next or mm-hmm. I don't know how it all works. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, I look at as a, as a pass player and I think oh, I don't know whether that's totally mm-hmm. required. You know, I'd, I'd rather see a bloke, you know, out, um, you know, throwing a ball at stumps and mm-hmm. running running around getting some fitness doing that sort of stuff.
0: 100%, AB. And that's like knowing from my experience that's exactly what, there's been the the sh- the percentage of what people do away from their cricket skills has been has changed significantly it's moved to like mm. cricket skills aren't all aren't necessarily the priority which just blows me away and there's been a it's moved too far the wrong way um so yeah that's that's the interesting part now that need things need to change in that regard because people are getting more injured in a way because they're just doing non-specific stuff just need to develop their skills, yeah. get their skills and get their body used to doing that
1: yeah, I mean, there's a lot to be said for that, isn't there? I mean, it sounds basic, And sometimes, you know, you know doing cricket drills, you know, relentlessly, um, you know, it does get a bit boring. So you've got to sort of mix up a little bit. But um, there's no way around it. That's that's the game you, you, you want to be the best you can possibly be at. So yeah, you've got to just do those skills because you want to do things on automatic. You don't want to be sort of, as you go up through the cricket ranks, um, your reactions times start becoming less and less um, as far as, you know, the, the bowling gets better and better and, and faster and faster. So, therefore, you as a batsman have got to become just reactionary, you know, so things are going to be on automatic pilot. So that's why you, that's why you train.
0: Uh, from a leadership perspective, was there one particular time that really stands out to you that didn't go exactly to plan and you're like, okay, if this situation arises again, I'm going to go in this direction because that other one didn't work at all. Uh, how long have we got?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, uh, I, I suppose as a captain, you, you're forever making decisions. Trying, I'm just trying to think of one specifically where it was just like a you know total balls up. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, look. Um, I can't think of anything just offhand. What I've yeah. got to say, uh, there's plenty of things that I, I should have done as a captain better, uh, probably if I go back even from right from the get-go as a captain. Mm. I, I took negative vibes into that uh, job, I've got to say, uh, first up. Uh, and if I had my time again, I would like to change that um, okay. as far as, you know, the job and just running with it and, mm. and doing the best I could. Back my sort of own uh, uh um, intuitions about uh, how, how, you know, I should have um, gone with the, the captaincy scenario. I was very negative um, going to that job. So I think that uh, probably, you know, sort of washes off onto the team to a certain degree. If, if your skipper's um, just a bit of a negative Nelly about um, whether he wants the job um, and, and going into that attitude, your decision making is not going to be good, is it, um, when you get to those specific uh uh, opportunities uh, where yeah. you, you know you go one way and you should have gone that way. Yeah. Uh, if you're if your captaincy, if you're very positive about uh, your captaincy, and um, you know, uh, you're going to make more good decisions, aren't you? Yeah. So I think the mistakes I made were right at the at the start. Not uh, grabbing the job with with both hands. It took me a couple of years to sort of start to work it all out. Uh, that. Um, you know, not being not being afraid of losing is a big part of winning. So therefore, as a captain, you know, you know back back your intuitions uh, a lot more because that's why you are the captain. Um, because you, you're more likely to make uh, good decisions under under those sort of pressures. So yeah, but they're the things I regret a little bit about that, rather than specific sort of moments. Of, um, you know, throwing the ball to Warren or throwing the ball to McGrath doesn't matter, mate. they have both going <laughs> to do the job for you. Aren't
0: they? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so was there a time though, because you you got, um, you yeah, know, took over the captaincy of Australia at a really difficult time under difficult circumstances. Was there a time where you felt, yeah, look, I've really, I feel like I've got this leadership thing now. And, and what was there, like, was there a couple of things that you just, you developed and grown, grown with to go, yeah, okay, I, I just do these few things and yeah, I've, I, I know I can get the best out of myself as a leader and getting the best out of the people around me.
1: Yeah, look, I think um, I, I did start to realise that, um, you know, you, you, people watch you very closely uh, mm-hmm. as, the, as the captain. Um, so if you're um, slacking off or drinking too much or, you know, just being a bit wishy-washy around the place, I mean, that, that um, permeates through the, through the team. I think if, you, if you've got a very good strong work ethic, and, uh, you know, you lead by example in those sort of areas. Um, and, and you, you know, just around, around hotels, you're treating people with respect and just all, all those, just the little, little one percenters around the place, um, people notice that um, and it has an effect on, on the group that you're in charge of. So, you know, so sort of building that respect. You don't necessarily have to be, you know, Winston Churchill uh, orator. Um, to get the best out of cricket team. You can yeah. just uh, do it just with your own actions and how you treat people. Uh, so I soon, well, not soon learnt that. I learned that um, over a period of time um, that, that that's um, the, the, the best thing that you can bring to the table is that, um, you know, how, how you treat people, your work ethic and just those little percentage things that you, you do around, around a group that, um, you know, builds respect. And uh, once you've got that, um, uh, you, you know, you're halfway there. Yeah. Obviously, your decisions that you're making out in the cricket field have some impact, but uh, generally speaking, it's how, you, how you've structured that group. Uh, if they've got a respect for you, uh, that, that's half the battle as a skipper.
0: Okay, everything that I saw as a young kid and then everything that I heard from, from the people who played with you and against you was that you were incredibly mentally tough. So from a mental skills point of view, were you always built a certain way or did you develop certain mental skills that you used to be able to be as consistently good as what you were?
1: Uh, I I think it's an innate thing. I think you've you've got it, uh, you know, inside you. The the game can throw things at you pretty easily. It's one of those, um, you know, frustrating uh, sports, isn't it, uh, cricket because, uh, you know, you can sort of put all the hard yards in and then just for the sake of, you know, doing something silly or getting a good ball or whatever, you know, that, that's the end of your day very quickly. So it gets very, very frustrating at times. Um, and to have that um, that mental strength sort of get through that and, and, and sort of uh, move on to the next uh, scenario or... Um, or you know, the teams you're playing against, the, the difficult uh, bowlers that you you come up against and how you, how you cope with all that. Uh, I think it, it develops over time you know, uh, that you um, have a uh, you know, thicker skin about how you, how you go about um, dealing with those pressures. So I, I think it's, it's one of those things that you, you have but you can work on uh, just through understanding uh, the the processes that you've got to go through to to, to get better, um, and I, I, I still, you know go back to it, you know that, that work ethic, and, and doing all those hard yards behind the scenes, um, that helps with all that um, you know that, that uh, dealing with the pressures when you when you come against, uh, up against it um, out in the middle.
0: So for you to get in your. Best performance mindset zone was that getting into like into a fight, as in like even in your own mind. Without it, doesn't have to be you know a verbal a verbal sort of fight with the opposition. Was that your way of being able to really get in get into a battle to be able to get the best out of yourself, or were you more someone who just got into your own bubble and just didn't allow anything to penetrate you?
1: I made a pretty pretty sort of determined uh, personality. Uh, I I can never. Ever remember walking off uh, the, the ground, so sort of totally satisfied with the performance? <laughs> so, therefore, if you've got that hard edge to the way you want to play, mm. um, yeah, it, it, it develops as it does develop, you know, that um, I don't know that, that that strength that you want to play as, as hard. At, game as you possibly can because you're just never satisfied Well, I was never totally 100% satisfied so therefore that drives you doesn't it because you you know drives you for the perfect performance and um if you're never quite there you're always searching for it but uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing I think that's not that's a good thing whereas you you know you just you're making yourself um hard to get out and um just a really determined sort of uh Uh, person go about uh, doing the job that you do as a score as many runs as you can. Mm. And I I tell young blokes now, you you go out there and you score as many runs as you can and you don't come in until someone tells you to come in. And (laughs) if you've got that sort of attitude, um, you're going to have some sort of success.
0: Yeah, for sure. And during a a full day of test cricket, and you batted for like six hours, like the ultimate for a a test batsman is about a full day. And you did that a lot. Was there a technique that you used to be able to sustain your mental energy for a, for a whole day?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting uh, question, that, isn't it? Because I, I think you, you all sometimes, you know, you can float in and out of um, you know, being totally um, uh, concentrated. Um, I, I, I suppose you used to, to develop a, uh, that method um, so that you're basically concentrating for the you know, specifics that you need to concentrate for. So as the bike... You know, whoever's bowling to you, it might be Malcolm Marshall, it might be, um, you know, the, the spinner, so you've got less time to um, uh, think about things. But um, as as the guy turns and he's starting to run in, I mean, that's when you start to, to go through your, your, your trigger um, motions. Now, some people have different uh, trigger uh, scenarios, don't they? Um yeah, remember, remember blokes like Greg Matthews. I don't know whether he played in
0: Greg yeah. with him. Or no, I didn't, but I remember watching him,
1: yeah. Oh, mate, he'd, he'd be yelling out, now! Or, yeah, some you know, he'd verbalise, you know, when he had to really switch on. Yeah. And it was um, really off-putting when you're out in the field tops. <laughs> I think um, uh, I used to do those sorts of scenarios, but just, uh, you know, you're you, you verbalising, but just in, internally about uh, mm-hmm. when you've got to, You know, I might be saying something, so like, watch the ball, watch the ball, watch the ball, watch the ball, just Mm -hmm. over and over for about two or three seconds. Yeah. Um, as the guys, you know, just about to gather. Mm -hmm. So, in other words, you're doing as soon as you can pick up that ball, uh, you, you, so that's half the battle. So, if you can pick Mm -hmm. it up as quickly as possible, then the other things through your training, um, yeah, just seem to take over. So, therefore, Uh, I always um, uh, found that if, uh, you're not, if you're not going through a particular good period of uh, play, you've got to start asking yourself some questions and then all of a sudden you start thinking, well, am I watching the ball? And he says, oh, of course I am. But no, no, no. Are you watching the ball? Um, and uh, if, you, if you sort of really start thinking about it, you say, no, well, maybe I have still got into this slack um, situation where I'm just watching a general area or yeah. I'm watching the guy run in, you know, watching his kneecaps or something. I don't know what the, you know, you go through these uh, scenarios. So you, if you're watching the ball, that the other things just seem to fall into place. So that that, that was my sort of trigger to uh, get himself ready. Yeah. So therefore, what, what are you talking about, um, you know, four or five seconds of cricket? So the guy is running in, lets the ball go, and you react to it. Yeah. Then... Yeah, so then you start to think, well, okay, uh, how do, how do you, you've got to be able to relax if you want to bat for six hours. Mm-hmm. So you've got to start thinking, okay, you have a bit of a, a guard and knock down a few things. You might be thinking about, I don't know, whether it was a good ball, bad ball, where, where the scoring opportunities. You, are, you you go through all those sort of processes. Mm-hmm. But um, um, at the end of overs, I, I quite like to sort of wander down and have a chat to your, your batting partner. Um, you know, it might be in a jovial sort of uh, situation depending on the, the game situation. Mm. Um, even, even in those, those tensest moments, sometimes it's it's good to have a bit of a, you know, like a, a, a light-hearted sort of moment just to, to try and relax you a little bit more. But mm. I think the secret of batting long, long periods of time is that switch-on, switch-off um, um, period. You don't want to be sort of on too much because it will drain you and you you. you start getting mentally tired, that's when you'll make your mistakes. So, um, to stay as fresh as possible is to, you know, concentrate really hard for that shorter period of time and then try and relax and, and, and do some deep breathing and whatever, if you're a bit nervy. Um, yeah, there's, there's different sort of techniques that just sort of come to you over time that, you you know, that only you probably understand, you know, different guys do different, different things, but, um, you don't want to be concentrating or, or in the moment for too long. You've got to be be able to switch on, switch off.
0: And that's something that you just consciously, like that routine, you consciously just work through like every ball to make sure that you knew that you weren't burning out too much you know, mental energy by staying on for too long.
1: Yeah. Uh, and again, it's a, it's a, it's a learned thing. Yeah. I mean, when you're young, you're just, you know, you're trying to smash everything and it's a different um, sort of, process and, and then as you start going through the ranks, um, you start to work, work out, you know, what works, what doesn't work, um, you know, concentration-wise, you know, if I, if I want to bat for a long period of time, you know, ha, you know, what's the process I've got to go through because, you know, I'm, I'm getting sort of fantastic 20s but, yeah, what, what good's that, you know, 20 and in, in I'm waiting, batting for 15, 20 minutes, you know. Imagine if I've been back for two hours. You know, you know how many runs can you get? So all of a sudden you start going through these processes about how how can I bat for longer and what do I got to do to um, you know stay in that peak concentration? So yeah, I, I, I do believe it's just a, it's a learnt process, and um, uh, as you if you want to have be successful, you start to work out gee, what what do I got to do to be successful, and these are the things you know that I've got to go through that process.
0: Yeah. I wish I knew that because the one thing in test cricket, I was so good at burning my mental energy out. I just, I was on, <laughs> I was on all the time. And it wasn't like, it wasn't until later, like after I actually finished test uh, test cricket, where I got educated around mental skills and especially how to preserve your mental energy. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. I, Cause I was just on, I, in the lead up to a test match, I was on when I was out the non-strikers and I was, I was, on has to be my day-to-day. I need to be – I can't be – oh, it's just revving so high. So, yeah, it's amazing advice, mate.
1: It is a frustrating thing, that, isn't it? Uh, I mean, I think we all go through it because you do get anxious. There are periods where you're not playing particularly well. And, you, and, and half the battle is you, you start, you're overthinking things. You're, you're just overdoing it. You're, you know, you're constantly on the go, even when you, you can't even sleep well. Yep. You just, you know, you drop catches or you're doing what something, you know, and it's just you're just totally on. Yeah. And the, and the harder you try, the worse you get. So it's, um, I'm not too sure how you sort of get back in the zone more regularly. But, um, mm. you know, it's got there's there is a process for it.
0: Yep. I mean, well, what you said there is by understanding where your mind is at. Where your mind's at. Okay, I'm on. I'm on as the bowl is running in, but then I'm off when when I don't need to be on. And that alone is so powerful to just understand how to preserve your mental energy.
1: Yeah, and, and it's easier than done because the game situation. You know, you, you get into these pressure um, situations. Um, it's hard just to be jovial or you know think about. Um, you know, tiptoe through the tulips sort of stuff, <laughs> isn't it? Like, yeah. You know, it's, it's a test match. There's, um, you know, Malcolm Marsh is bowling some serious uh, stuff to you. Yeah. yeah, uh, you know, you're five for 100, you know, you're, you're under a bit of bit of pressure. It's hard just to, you know, be, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Singing, you know, songs to yourself sort of thing. But uh, there is obviously if you can do a lot more of that, the, the, mm-hmm. the better. So that you, you're on. And then you can just sort of just try and chill a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, deep breathing is a good one. Deep yeah. breathing is a bit um, underrated. Uh, yeah. If you're getting tense and stressed, that uh, breathing techniques are uh, uh, a pretty good thing to sort of uh, think about too, because it, yeah. it's amazing how it does rupture. Um, and uh, that, that's, that's part of the battle.
0: AB, you've been in the media as a commentator for a long time now. From what you know now, would you approach the media differently when you were playing?
1: Uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I I think you get a bit of a handle on the the media, aren't you? Know this big ogre, um, which sometimes uh, as a player you you do get that um, impression, don't you? You sort of um, have a bit of a love-hate relationship with uh, the media through a a playing career. and I think once you you jump the fence and you start doing some media, you start to realise uh, it's it's you know the guys just doing a job there. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's it's they're part of the, the, the process. Um, they're not that bad a you know, bunch. Um, generally speaking, um, a lot of the guys are past players, and and mm. when you're a current player, you always look at past players. And when if they're giving you a bit of a swish show in the media, you give it a They've how hard the game was, these so freaks <laughs> carrying on. And, um, but you, you, you sort of do then start to realise when you've jumped the fence and you're looking back that, you know, if the guy plays a bad shot, the guy it's a bad shot. You know, there's mm. no way of coding it um, as a commentator and you wouldn't be doing your job, would you, if you, mm. if you don't sort of say, look, that he'd be disappointed about the way he played that shot or that yeah. situation, you know, he, sh- he shouldn't be dropping catches like that, or you know, things that when you're a player and you read it, you give it. Ah, oh, players forget they forget how hard it is. So, yeah, this. Um, I I didn't have too bad a relationship with the media. I've got to say. Um, yeah. Even though I had my moments, uh, I I I think I was pretty fairly treated. Um. By, by media, they, mm. I think if you can be as honest as you possibly can as a, as a player talking to the media, I think um, that, that helps, uh, that relationship between um, the, the media and, your, and yourself. But, um, yeah, I, I'd sort of um, be a bit more appreciative of, of the media and the, and the work they do and how, how you can work with uh, the mm. media yeah. uh, as a player uh, I, I would have understood that a bit more, but that, mate,
0: it's 2020 vision, isn't it, in hindsight? Yep. yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's no doubt if I had my time again, I'd have built more personal connections with with the media because then that's the way, as you said, you're working together with them, um, not just sort of being like the big ogre that you're just like, oh, I have nothing to do with them. All they're doing, they're just trying to cut me down.
1: Yeah. I, I think the game has changed, though. I mean, the, the media coverage now, mate, is. is like a hundred times more intense than when I was playing. I mean, even as captain, I'd I'd do a pre-test match uh, chat Mm -hmm. um, and a post-test match chat to the media. Um, In the days where we had rest days, you might have done something, you know, the third night you you might have a bit of a a media um, chat. Uh, When we were on tour, uh, a lot of the media... Um, Cameless, so you, you got to know guys a little bit better in that you know, particularly place like Pakistan, you know, where you, you're touring, there's not a lot to do at night time, you might mm-hmm. be playing cards or whatever it is of a night time, and, and the media would sort of be around or, or they'd join in. Mm-hmm. So, you got a, an opportunity to get a, a different relationship with um, media compared to now, where you've got yeah your, your general cricketing media, but you've also got the Peripherals, you know with all the social media and all the extras and I, I, I've been in dressing rooms often enough in in recent times to see that on the is it the whiteboard where you've got you know Watto uh, you've got thank pre-match
0: post-match uh, you know, all these different interviews thank god that was after my time <laughs> that was that must have came in just as I stopped playing oh there's no way I'd, I'd get <laughs> down that. no me either <laughs> just even,
1: even that recent doco that um, the boys did, you know, that the media had the access to the um, rooms or basically everywhere. Mm-hmm. But I, I would not have handled that very well at all mm-hmm. because there's something some to me the dressing room is a sanctuary where you can just, you know, get away from all that sort of stuff. So that's how the the, the, the world's changing, the cricket world for me, changing with the, the media. But I get it. It's, it's a big part of the game now. I mean, they, media pay the big bucks, don't they, mm. to, to cover the game, and that, that's reflected in players' um, remuneration. So yeah, yeah. I think everyone sort of understands how important that relationship is now.
0: But there also has to be a line where you talk about that sanctuary as well, and that's the thing even watching that test doco. That, for me, was I know how hard, like, guys fought even when I first came to the team to be able to try and keep, their, keep that sanctuary there. The mm. media gradually come; that you gradually sort of penetrate that sanctuary a little bit, but not to this st- extent where you'd get out and you've got a camera in your face, so it's showing your reaction. So, for me, even for me, it's it, for me. I, I, I think it, I wouldn't handle that well. <laughs> uh-huh. And obviously, things have evolved, and you know, guys are getting used to that, in, like intrusion in a way. But for me, even you know, being a fairly recent cricketer, um, in that regard, well, I, I, I wouldn't have been able to handle that, just knowing how. Yeah, how I was.
1: I always think that there's only the only bad things can happen. <laughs> like you just wander in and nothing much happens, and you take your pads off and have a drink of water and walk out. Yeah, that that oh, boring. You know, no one wants to watch that. But if you go in there and pull your bat around and kick bloody helmets and, and really carry on, yeah, that's the stuff that make <laughs> the media. And yep. The only bad stuff that happens with uh, those cameras in places. No, 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 good stuff ever happens. <laughs>
0: it's well said. <laughs> in life, in life, in general, um, it can be very easy to get the wrong financial advice. So, from your experiences you've had throughout your life, can you give any lessons that you've learned through through your life that will help the next generation of cricketers? Because it is very daunting. With obviously, the, now the current cricketers earn significant money compared to what it was even when you were playing but the advice to be able to try and navigate your way through these situations are really important
1: right oh, definitely I, I think it's really important to surround yourself with um good people um in those areas you know as far as um you know your financial advice uh, you know, your financial planning hmm. all those sort of things um I suppose in my early days there was no real need for um, that type of advice because you, you didn't have to worry about um, you know, investing you know vast amounts of money or, or looking after your future per se. It was more you know the other side of the fence. You know you're playing cricket more as a as a pastime initially, mm. and then you know, the, the, what, what what you're going to do outside of the game was the, the important thing. So. Mm. It, it, it's changed and changed for the better. Oh, I've got mm-hmm. no problems. I think the, the game's generating that those uh, um, finances. Uh, the players deserve their share of it. I've, I've got no issues with that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're right. Um, surround yourself with with those good people, and that and that's the million dollar question, isn't it? Hopefully, you have um, a bit of an innate gut feel about these sorts of things. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's yes. You know, we've all made sort of silly decisions along along the way, and. Um, I suppose you, you know lessons are hard learnt, aren't they? Yes, yeah. um, yeah, so I would definitely. I suppose as a, as a young guy coming through, have a chat to the you know the older fellows around the place and and different people at the different state associations because they they're the ones who will probably lead you in the right area as far as you know the the, the right people to be chatting to about um, you know your accountancy issues or you know, a solicitor and. Financial planning; um, those sort of areas now are very important for the for the younger player to get themselves um, uh, the, the the right advice um, and and career advice. Because I think being a cricketer twenty four seven, I don't know whether that's as healthy as it probably sounds. It's it's probably good fun just uh, bundy in at nine o'clock and bundy out at five o'clock and and just and just cricket, cricket, cricket. I think it's, um, you know, part of that advice would be, okay, you've got to have some other outside interests, um, be it in, in a study sort of scenario or just upskilling. Um, I think those um, situations have, have um, they're more and more available to players now, aren't they, as far as yep. um, uh, acquisition of, um, you know, yes, your, your, your cricket skills and all that are very, very important, but, Acquiring all those other skills that um, for life outside of the game uh, are just as important. So, I think that life balance um, advice uh, is is very strong. So, look, I, I think the game has evolved, you know, brilliantly um, in a very short space of time. When you think mm-hmm. about it, um, if you go back to seventy seven, you know, it, it's basically a pastime cricket, <laughs> um, and. Kerry Packer, Amazing, you know that river has just you know, gone on a you know pretty steady um, upward from from that point. So I think it's been a been a good thing playing cricket for a living. You know it's it's yeah. can't, can't be. I can think of worse things to be doing with my time.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And what the advice around the life balance is no question. Like the the one thing that you the advantage you guys had was even though you weren't getting paid really at all to play, it meant that you had to, you were thinking about life outside of cricket as well. And which meant life after cricket at some stage. So um, it meant you had to, you had to develop other skills.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, conversations uh, in the dressing room weren't about uh, share portfolios and, Mm. and uh, those sorts of things. Uh, Mm. Very different, more relaxed, uh, more easy going over a beer. Um, Mm. So it was a, it was a, a pretty good era to play in um, when I think about it, because we were starting to become professional. Mm. Um, so, therefore, the, there was a bit more money coming into the game as a result of that. That the, the Packer um, revolution and, and uh, where the game went uh, subsequently. Um, so, conversations and, and uh, priorities uh, subtly changed, um, but still, we were still a bit. Uh, Amateur in our in our thinking, so there was a was a sort of mixed mm. sort of process um, um, that subtly sort of changed as I um, got towards the end of my career. Yeah, so that that those conversations were subtly changing, but um, I think the opportunities now they're they're, they're pretty good from my, my observation that where state associations are with um, you know career planning and career advice and obtaining advice as a, as a player uh, they're, 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 they're doing a pretty good job I mean it can, it can be better like always yeah. but um, at the moment i'm I'm pretty comfortable where where cricket sits as far as looking after their athletes
0: yeah yeah it's definitely it needs to to get better because it's becoming more and more ultra professional with more and more time expected of you to be fully engaged in cricket time or in a mindset yeah. but it is yeah. We we need to we are doing a decent job, but it can definitely still get still get better to make that transition for the players more seamless. So it's not just, well, yeah. cricket skill's all I know and well, okay, the I'm off a cliff and now I've got to find something else.
1: Yeah, it, it is hard. Um, yeah, not everyone just falls into a, a media role or mm. or whatever, you know, as a result of um, you know, having a good cricket career, going into coaching. There's only so many coaches, mm. there's only so many uh, media um, opportunities. So therefore, yeah, probably, what, 80% of cricketers or, or higher percentage are not going to get that opportunity. So they have to, at age 35, I mean, you, you've still got a fair bit of living to do um, before you can pull up stumps. So, uh, yeah, you, you've got to yeah definitely be mindful of, um, you know, that process as you're playing, what you're going to do uh, once once it's all done and dusted.
0: Yep. Did you ever get involved in any businesses as you like during your career or after your career at all? Uh,
1: not, not really. Um, it, it just sort of I fell into yeah you know, that media work. I, I wasn't ever going to go into the media, but it just sort of yeah it just happened. So you, you sort of I just went that that pathway, and um, so I didn't really. I sort of dabbled here and there, but nothing too serious. You know, I didn't really yeah. sort of sit down and say, i have got to become a, a, a coffee baron, you yeah. know, and start some. I probably should have. <laughs> it's, um, pretty big, well, not so much now, right now, but um, yeah. there was a period that I think coffee shops go you know, play the gangbusters. Yeah. But um, you know, I, I, I sort of, uh, yeah, that, that business acumen, it's not one of my strong points. Um, Mm. I've got to say, i have to admit that it's, um, I would have liked to have, you know, probably sort of uh, gone into uh, some sort of non-cricket activity. Mm. So most of my time has been some sort of cricket activity, you know, sort of did a little bit of um, coaching and fiddling around. I've been on the, you know, cricket board and and, and done cricket related uh, things um, Mm. since retiring. But see, I, I played cricket till I was 40. So I was quite fortunate from that point mm-hmm. of view that I, you know, could could play the game to that age. Yeah. And um, and then, you know, so I've had, you know, tw- 25 years, say, of, you know, life after cricket, but I've been lucky mm-hmm. that, you know, I've just sort of fallen into all these different uh, cricketing-type roles. And uh, so I've been able to stay, you know, pretty much involved in the game. But, yeah, part of me, you know, even yeah. if it had been, you know, uh, do some carpentry skills and things like that and go out and do something a little bit different um, that I think I would have helped um, along the way. But, um, yeah, I uh, yeah, can't complain for the way things
0: have turned out for me. Yeah, yeah, We're so fortunate to have you still involved in the game. For someone who achieved what you did, got the knowledge that you have, we are very fortunate because some people – don't don't go into and stay involved in the game, whether that's as a commentator, whether that was coaching, and also from a board perspective as well. So you know, we definitely would never want to lose someone who's got your incredible IP that you've generated from being you know, doing doing what you've done.
1: Oh no, I, I've enjoyed it, mate. Don't don't get me wrong, but it's just it would have been nice to have a you know that, that sort of other interest, not just sort of forget the, the, the whole time as as we talked about the young blokes, um, you know, develop other skills. Um, I think you know halfway through my um, creating career it would have been good to be able to sit down with a careers guy and sort of say, yeah, you know, what, what what what's out there? What what uh, you know my interests are? This 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 this. What what what? Uh, you know, can I go and study a business degree? You mm. know, like a Michael Cast has done. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think those sort of things. Yeah, you know, I we, we didn't have those. Uh, those things weren't available at the time. Mm. So you just just potted on and, and were left to your own devices, really. So uh, yeah. for me, it was just um, I was happy doing what I was doing. You know, very, very enjoyable
0: um, playing cricket and, and getting paid to do it. How good is this? There are, always, there are always so many ups and downs in life, and when you feel like you're going okay, there's always something around the corner just to bring you back down to earth. Um, do you have like a saying or a mantra that you have in your life that makes you bounce back quicker from the setbacks and challenges that life always throws at you? I,
1: I suppose it's it's very simplistic. It's just hang in there. I remember um, uh, mid 80s, you know, we we're really doing it tough as a, as a cricket team, copying, copying a lot of flat media, you know, just we're, we're just going nowhere. Um, probably sort of 84, 5, 6, sort of that that period. I was a bit down the dumps here and there. And I got this card from uh, uh, Andrew Slack. Yeah, wallaby. And it was just a a card and it was just these uh, fingers on the edge of a cliff, you know, the straight marks and all you can see is these hands and it's just gone, hang in there. And I, I thought that's pretty good. That that's I like that, just hang in there. So I sort of stuck with that a little bit just because if you keep just hanging in there and, and doing things, it's amazing how just things just do subtly turn around. And if you just keep believing in it, it'll, it'll, you know, it'll be right, you know, yeah. just around the ground the corner.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's very powerful because a lot of people don't hang in there. And as it's just you be realizing in hindsight, you're just on the brink and you've actually you know, pulled back. Whereas if you hung in there for that little bit longer, things would, you know, those doors would open up again.
1: Well, it, it may, may be over but I think I've always tried to keep it, keep it simple, keep it as simple as possible to me, that's, that, that's sort of the, the best advice is just to yeah, hang in there, keep it simple, yep. and it, it, it'll, it'll, it'll change, as you say. If you've got all the right attitudes to things and your work ethics and, and all that, you, you, you're doing the right thing. It's just not happening at the moment. Um, yeah, just keep it very simple and it'll, it'll, it'll turn.
0: This is a final question, AB, and I sincerely do appreciate your time, mate, and, and being so open. You've met and been around some of the most successful people in the world. Is there one or two people that really stand out to you that inspired you the most and and why?
1: One, one guy I met towards the end of my career, Nelson Mandela <laughs> in South Africa. Um, just I didn't know much about him uh, leading into, you know, probably South Africa coming back into the uh, cricket world and I didn't quite fully appreciate what, you know, apartheid was all about and uh, yeah, it sounds probably, you know, ridiculous that, you know, I hadn't sort of read too much up about Nelson Mandela and his struggles and, the, you know, the apartheid struggles, generally speaking, you know, I'd, I'd knocked around a fair bit with Kepler Vessels who was in Queensland playing for Queensland and um, but we didn't really sort of talk about, you know, historical stuff in South Africa because of his background as well, you know, being... Um, you know, a Dutchman basically, um, and uh, so I, I was very naive as to you know who this bloke was, and uh, we we sort of met him in in um, South Africa in uh, '94 tour just before the elections were going to happen, and you know there's a groundswell of you know um, oh good good. For, You know feelings in South Africa about where where they were heading with with under this bloke uh, Nelson Mandela. So I started to sort of do some research, and I thought, gee, this guy. But when I met him, he he just had an aura that um, it's you you don't come across too many people that um, just capture you that straight away. Just know, oh, this guy is special. Um, So that that was one thing I do remember um, as being having a, a bit of an impact. It was sort of like really late in my time as a cricketer, but, um, yeah, he was uh, one of those guys that you can understand the global adoration for him uh, sort of now because you just think this guy's the aura he he had and just the message that he had, you know, he he was all for conciliation and the guy had spent, you know, 27 years in jail. Have you been out to
0: Robben Island? Yeah, absolutely. You can't can't imagine 27 years just in that tiny little cell.
1: Yeah, Um, and to come out. Be, you know, the person he was, the statesman that he became on behalf of South Africa and, and reconciliation, all the rest of it. Yeah, he could have come out a lot more bitter and twisted, I
0: yeah. would have thought. Yeah,
1: but yeah, a very, very, very impressive man. Um, I tell you, the other bloke who, who's got an aura or had an aura, uh, mm. not with us sadly anymore, is uh, Kerry Packer. <laughs> um, I didn't have a lot to do with him, okay, but. What he did for our game, like incredible, I suppose, you know, for, for his television, he had that television hat on, but mm. what he did for our game was just quite extraordinary, mm. you know, uh, just revolutionised um, the game of cricket. Um, and and most of it, I think, for the for the good, you know, there'd be mm. a lot of people moaning where, where the game may be headed to the detriment maybe of Test cricket, but mm. um, really... Um, yeah, he he was quite phenomenal, but he had a presence uh, as well. Um, I don't know whether you met him at all, mate, but uh,
0: once, yeah, yeah
1: he's, a, he's a human being, yeah, um, but in in a good way at times because I, yeah. I quite enjoyed, um, you know, his bluff and bluster. At, uh, the way, um, you know, just legendary stories about him. But just when you meet him, he's he's, he's another guy that's got that incredible aura, and uh, you sort of learn a little bit about. Um, his man management skills mightn't have been perfect, but I think he inspired, you know, he he inspired a lot of loyalty Mm. and he was a very, very strong uh, individual. So I took a fair bit out of that, you know, about um, not necessarily, necessarily, you know, all the things that he brought to the table, but Mm. there were some things that I think he was really, you know, good at that man management and uh, running a business and and, uh, being a strong character.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No question. It's, it seemed like he knew how to get the best out of people. Obviously he was quite, he ruled with an iron fist at times by the stories that you hear, but, but he inspired people. He got more than more out of people than they imagined they had inside of them.
1: Just You know, that gambler's instinct to, to Mm. to have a go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was prepared to put his money where his mouth was and that, Mm. that, Uh, It paid dividends for him big time.
0: Look AB, I'm so incredibly honoured to have had you on this episode of Lessons Learned with the Greats. You were the pioneer behind Australia becoming such a force in world cricket and that continues to this day. Thank you so much for giving me the time to share all of these amazing insights with us and we are all that much richer for digging into the mind of one of the greatest cricketers the world's ever seen. Thank you so much mate.
1: It's been a pleasure mate. Uh, Anytime. Thanks very much.
0: For more episodes of Lessons Learned with the Greats, head to t20stars.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.